You're listening to Human Faces with me, Suda. I'm going to be exploring the psychology behind our face and how it has the power to change our lives. So stay tuned and stay connected. Hi, and thanks for listening to Human Faces. I'm super excited about today's episode. I'm here with my very good friend, Craig, who I know from back when I did my first degree medicine back in Oxford. He was studying languages then, and since then he's had a pretty exciting life. He's worked in Germany and in Japan. He can speak a whole bunch of languages, and now he's very successful banker type working in the city. And so he's gonna give us a little perspective of what the face means to a truly metrosexual guy living in a big city like London. Craig, what do you think about my introduction? Did I miss anything out? No, I think it was pretty, pretty comprehensive. Yeah, although I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as a, a city person because it makes you seem a little bit like you're going to be an arrogant so-and-so. But yeah, otherwise. Craig is not arrogant. Correction taken. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought you would object to the metrosexual. What do you think about that term? Um, I feel like it's usually more applied to straight men than to gay men. So I suppose it's therefore not something that I've heard associated with myself so much as a gay man. But yeah, I don't have an issue with it. I guess for me, I was thinking, um, the reason I thought I'd invite you and want to talk about this is, um, as a girl, we spend so much time um, looking at our faces, putting makeup on, there's obviously a whole world of advertising and marketing geared towards this, Um, and for guys, I don't really know, how how much thought, effort, expense do you think you would put into your face and and thought about it? Um, not a huge amount. So I remember when I was around 24 and I started using anti-aging moisturizer um, when I was 24. Not a particularly expensive one, it's one called Bulldog. It was like a, it's around eight or nine pounds for like a thing that lasts around two, three weeks, whatever. Um, and I've always, I had quite bad acne when I was younger. So I was put on Roaccutane, the vitamin tablet thing, had super dried out skin, everything else. So I think I'd been more aware of my skin in terms of things I've got to do to like make sure I don't get breakouts and whatever else. And that's probably the most, that and my teeth, I suppose, because again, they had braces and whatever else. So those were the two things that I was quite aware of because my braces were on until I was like 17, uh, 17, yeah, around 17, 15 to 17. So it was later because most people had already had them on when they were like 13, 14 at the time they were in sixth form and the braces had come off, which I didn't have. Um, so, yeah. That's so interesting what you said <clears throat> about um, anti-aging cream. What led you to start using anti-aging cream? Um, one of my friends at the time, she was using anti-aging stuff. And I was like, why are you using anti-aging? I think she was 24, 25. And she's like, well, the only th- when they do all these studies and they say it works, it only works when you're young. She was like, you don't think that you're going to be like wrinkly in 70 and start using anti-aging like, cream and all of a sudden look like you're 20 again. So it doesn't work that way. It's preventative. Like it keeps elasticity in the skin and whatever else. Like, and so then when I and then funnily enough, the, that time Bulldog kind of launched, which was like well I don't know if it was launched, but I just became aware of it to be honest. It could be either, um, and that was in like most supermarkets and stuff, and it was you could get it on offer sometimes like four pounds for like a thing of it, and I was using moisturizer regularly at that point, 
had been since I was on the Rowaki team when I was younger because it, that dried up my skin and my skin had always been slightly dry ever following that. Um, but I just thought, okay, fine, I'll start using it then. Um, and I've always looked younger than I am anyway. So that's kind of kept that going, I suppose. And being 29, it's still quite common that I get ID'd to buy stuff. Um, which doesn't happen, I think it happens more to women to get ID'd for stuff than it does for men usually. Um, but I still get that quite a lot, especially when it's really weird things like, I'll be, like I was buying a, a two bottles of port in Waitrose, for God's sake. It's not exactly the type of thing that you do when you want to go on a bender as a 16 year old. Um, I'm still getting that. It was actually a present for my stepdad and I was getting ID'd to buy it. <laughs> which is peculiar. <laughs> that was quite funny. But yeah, no, I think you're right though. Like, um, so the, I guess the thing that I didn't think about was how I think about the face says so much about who you are. But one of the most obvious things it says is how old you are. And obviously mm-hmm. everyone has this uh, preoccupation with looking. I don't know, actually. I, I think a lot of women have a preoccupation with looking younger. Um, I would have thought, I didn't, know, I didn't feel that there was that much pressure. Do you feel as a guy there's pressure to look younger? I don't think there's pressure to look younger, but there's pressure to not look haggard. And because, it, it, I mean, you don't, there are some guys that you see that maybe are 32, 30, and they look significantly older than what they are. And I don't think anyone really wants to. So, for example, there's a guy that I work with who's 27, so he's two years younger than me, and I thought he was 37. Like entirely wow. 10 years older and it's not he just looks older than he is I suppose and what my, makes him look older? he's got quite a big nose um, there's a lot of kind of I suppose circumstantial stuff that I know about him so for example the fact he's married lives in the countryside in Cambridgeshire or whatever else that lends itself to then giving him a kind of like an older estimate of an age if you had to guess um, which is probably one of the reasons but also he doesn't it, 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 he he looks he just looks it he looks middle aged I think there are some people that are born do you think it's the way the muscle tension is carried on his face and then maybe that reflects on his personality and what you said about where he lives and his yeah, lifestyle I think, it, I think it very well could be um, or do you think the specific features I mean like does he have a lot of white hair or a lot of wrinkles no so it's not it's not that his skin for example is bad or whatever else I think it's his overall there are some people that you meet even when you're a child and they already have the demeanour of a middle-aged person. Yeah. And there's a certain element to some people exist in a in a certain portion of their life so that they may be 30, but they've always seen 40. And they may be 50, but they still seem 40. There's kind of like that concept, conception of how they fit. But do you think if you didn't know him as a person and you walked past him down the, middle of, down the street, you would think he was 37? Yes. I think That's so would. interesting. I think we had this conversation a while ago. I think it, we had this conversation, and I didn't think I didn't know if you were going to bring up being gay, but that um, gaydar and mm-hmm. looking gay or straight, a lot of it is to do with how you carry tension in your face, mm-hmm. and so obviously like there's body language and the way you might talk and things. But putting all of that aside, the studies where they've shown photos of people who are straight and gay, and people can actually pick up who's gay and who's straight from just a photo of the face, mm-hmm. and. Um, I've always thought that that was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Do you? Why do you think that that people can tell that? How do you think you can from tell? From a face, I think it's different. Like it, it depends. Some people you can just tell from a face without a shadow of a doubt. What do you think um, gives it away? There, are exp- I think there's probably like a series of probably micro expressions, um, different ways of holding themselves, or maybe just the fact that they 
from from their face purely, it may be that they have a tendency towards slightly more kind of feminine expressions rather than male kind of or masculine expressions. Being very general, obviously, but I do like I I usually have a pretty good idea of knowing when someone is gay or when they're not, and sometimes it can literally be from a glance of their face. Other times it might be that it's actually a series of different factors that go into mm. this, and there are. It's quite interesting because one of the things that there's quite a lot of LGBT stuff that I do, um, where about the band that I work at through their network and stuff, um, at Barclays it's like a it's called Spectrum and they have a load of stuff about LGBT and one of the things I've actually done I did this leadership course in the summer through Stonewall which is a really famous uh, LGBT charity and it was quite interesting because they said that one of the best things about having LGBT people in your workforce is that they're a lot more observant. So to your point in terms of is it held in muscle in the muscles in their face? How is it that it's conveyed and that people can be able to interpret whether somebody is gay, straight, bi, or whatever? Um, it also because you're always looking for that, <clears throat> not necessarily because you want to jump everyone, right? Let's be clear <laughs> about it. It might just be that you're looking to find out if you think somebody's going to be hostile to you because of who you are or whatever else. And there's a loads of different cues that you learn to pick up on to be able mm. to form a more educated picture so you're yeah. not taken by surprise. And I think that links in then with what, what one of the plus sizes is that when you're used to picking up all of those micro cues to be able to determine how receptive somebody's going to be to you, or even if they are LGB or T themselves, then it means that you're also a lot more detail driven in terms of so reading interesting. the room. So it's like almost like a survival mechanism mm-hmm. where you know you you've you've kind of grown up or you know since you've been aware. Um, of who is or isn't going to be a threat to you, because unfortunately it still is an issue mm-hmm. uh, in society, isn't it? Being being homosexual, and so you're trained to pick up on those cues. And so what they would say that you then have certain skills to offer to your workforce, and exactly. that's very interesting. So you'd be able to read a room more quickly. So the idea is yeah. that say if you were doing a sales pitch to ten investors or whatever it would be, if you're a, well one of the LGBT communities then you'd probably be able to read that room a lot more quickly Mm. than somebody who was a straight man who'd never actually had to develop that skill set to be able to pick up on those cues that's really interesting i do find it generally just fascinating how um your face isn't just you know are you attractive or not attractive it just says so much about you as a person uh right through well we talked about sexuality but um obviously how you carry your face can represent how you perceive your gender to be not just your sex Mm. but we can obviously tell if someone's male or female but also what they're choosing to be so that's a whole thing i want to explore later as well not not necessarily with you but like in another episode um but you know we talked about age um and do you think i think you can also tell a lot about a person's personality and i'll tell you something from from where i am but i don't know if you think it's the same if i showed you a bunch of photos do you think you'd be able to tell people's socioeconomic status or have a guess as to what job they do? And I think you'd be able to get a lot of those. Mm. I think I think that is... I, to guess their socioeconomic status, I think you probably can because there's a series of things that you're going to kind of look out for. So, for example, if they're white but have a pallor about them, for example, it might then I might, I might then link that to them having a poorer diet, which I might then link to also being less educated... So I might then assume that they're in a lower economic kind of background. Um, but I think when you get to the stage where you're trying to put people into professions from that, I think it goes to a, a kind of a state of extrapolation that it'll actually start le- leaning on kind of 
stereotypes and almost racial discrimination to a certain <laughs> point to get you to that because you're not going to see a guy and assume that he's a primary school teacher, for example, because mm, yeah, 95% of those are women. Yeah, um, And you're not going to see, I don't know, like a, a woman and assume that she's going to be a doctor because the stereotype is still very much that the majority of doctors are men or Having said else. that, people are attracted to careers based on matching personalities. So you tend to choose a career where people have similar personalities to you and so you... It's not always the case... But you can, people of certain careers, especially professions rather than, you know, jobs, have similar personality traits. And so I guess the point I'm making is you can say, tell so much about a person's personality trait with their face. So then if you align the personality trait with the fact that that personality trait sits into a particular career. I mean, there's a lot of extrapolation there, of course, but I just, I find it really fascinating how much more there is in looking at someone's face Mm-hmm. than we openly admit to in society. Because as you said, it sets a lot of walls up. People think, oh, it's stereotyping, it's this, it's that. But having said that, we're all doing it all the time. You meet someone new or you walk past someone in the street, you don't even have a conversation, and you automatically have assumptions about who they are, it's where true. they come from. And denying it seems almost nonsensical. And actually admitting it, maybe keeping it under control, because you have to be aware that these are just assumptions and they're not always true, mm-hmm. um, is I think actually healthier to say out loud what we are assuming from people. 